Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service this morning. So this morning is our Remembrance Sunday um, service, but we're also going to praise God. And our song leading in to the service this morning was How Beautiful the Name of Jesus, who rose, died and rose again to save each and every one of us. Um, And we're going to think this morning about our Saviour and the sacrifices that people make and that he made for all of us. Um, Before we get going, I need to point out that there was... uh, I'm missing from the bulletin, I don't know why, but um, we're a bit of space tonight. Um, and so those of you who go to space, uh, led by John, um, that will be happening this evening at 7 o'clock. And so those of you who go along, um, that will be happening. Um, can we have our call to worship on the screen? For thou art great, thou doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. For our God is unique in that he loves each and every one of us in such a way that he recognized that we were not able to make the sacrifices ourselves. That he needed to send his only son to sacrifice himself that we may live. And we worship his holy name as a result of that. So we come this morning and we sit and we pray and we will reflect that our Lord died for us and that through all our lives we can have that confidence. But bless our, the Lord, O oh my soul, We will worship your holy name. We will sing like we never have before. Because Lord, we will worship you. Your love is such that you do not anger. Your name is great, but your heart is kind. In the deepest lows, and the greatest highs. You stand beside us and throughout our lives, no matter what we do, no matter where we are, whether that's the mud of the fields in battle or comfortably at home, you are with us through everything we do. We're going to sing a set of three songs. So I'm going to invite you to all stand. And we're going to start by singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. Worship his holy name.
the Lord of life. You crown him the Lord of peace. For he is the Lamb of God who came down. He is the He is the Lord who came down. For he died for me. My praise shall never, never fail throughout all eternity. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. His glory will never fail. For you, Lord, are clothed in majesty. Your sacrifice is what makes you stand out. It's the thing that brought each, all of us close to you. Because we know that when we need you, Lord, you're there. We know, Lord, that you are above all others, 
that your name stands high above them all. And we are so grateful, Lord, that you loved us. You loved us so much. You wanted a relationship with us. That you sacrificed yourself. The sacrifice had to be yours because we couldn't do it. And you came willingly. For the splendor is yours, Lord. Clothed in majesty. All the earth will rejoice. The light came down. The darkness ran away to hide. Because you have defeated it. Splendor of the King. Let's sing.
the children are going to lead us now to their group. So we'll pray for, our, for the children. So as they lead, Lord, we pray that you will be with the children and the teacher as they go out. Thank you that they are such a part of our service and our community here. So we thank you, Lord, as they lead. So this was an interesting uh, service to try and put together in the sense that there's, it's not just a straightforward service. So you always have the service of remembrance as well in the middle of this. Um, and Tim is going to come and take over with us with the section in a second, um, leading from when Joshua has finished doing the reading. Um, because that will focus on our two minutes of silence and the whole reflection around it. But thinking about this beforehand, I had some... It made me think a little bit, because we've also got the World Cup coming up as well, and so there was a little bit about how those kind of things fell together and about sacrifice and how sometimes war can be, it's, it's about politicians sometimes and not people, um, and nation against nation, but when you've got people in the middle of it, sometimes it's really different. So can I have those things on the screen? Can you have the first one? So I was looking up some poems. Um, which were written during the First World War and the Second World War, reflecting on what it's like. Can I have the next slide, please? Um, and this is taken um, a fairly famous um, one written by John McKee, uh, McRae, in fact, and when he went to the funeral of uh, one of his colleagues who had fallen. In Flanders fields a poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that marked the place and in the sky, the larks still barely, bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amidst the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago. We lived, fell dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from falling hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us, we die. We shall not sleep through the poppies grow in Flanders fields. It's a very famous poem. It's often read out. I think it struck me at the end bit when I was reading it and trying to reflect on, on war. Because we have Ukraine going on at the moment. It's something you see. And so many of it, what always strikes me about that is that all the people who used to be part of the Russian army are now being invaded and killed by Russian soldiers. And so it seems that brother on brother are doing harm to each other. And that, for me, is always something that I find difficult. Go to the next slide. And this is where the football thing comes into it, is that in, on Christmas Day, um, in, in the first, kind of the first year of the battle of the First World War, the soldiers called a truce and they played football. So in a few weeks' time, nation will go against nation, but in a competitive, friendly way, instead of death and destruction. And there's something about that, that that really always struck home to me when I hear that story about how when you take two people to find common ground, and it's never as easy as that, the world is not as easy as that, but wouldn't it be nice if it was? One of the things that Jesus showed us is that sacrifice and love, and that is something that we should hold on to, that love is the key, love is the answer. You'd hear still Silent Night coming out from the German lines when they were singing it. We now sing that every Christmas. But there is so much similarity between all of us as human beings, yet we sit there in battle and we do harm to each other. And it's just something that I wanted to reflect on and sort of wanted to share. And so our last one is another poem that I came across, which kind of reflected some of that. Um, 
This is written by an American soldier in the Second World War. Uh, and this is it's a much longer poem. I wasn't going to read the whole thing. I would be here for about 20 minutes if I tried to do that. Um, Since time began, man found a way to make his neighbor man a prey. We read in song those nights of old. We wonder now why men are bold. Oh, grab the sword and ride away. You may come back another day. Or you may fall an awful sound when horse and armor meet the ground. Twas honor then, the ballads say, but what is man's excuse today? Which side is wrong? Who's in the right? Don't step and think before you fight. Country's honor is at stake, leaves dead men in its wake. It's, I don't have the answer, I don't pretend to, but I always think that love is a better answer than killing each other. And war, when we reflect on that, is something that when we think about the, the, the sacrifice that all these people made, the millions on millions who died in the wars, who continue to die because of ambitions of a few, sometimes. What does that leave us with? And can we learn something? And Jesus teaches us so much about what we can learn. So Joshua's going to come up and do our reading for us, at which point I'm going to hand over to Tim. And we'll have another, after Tim's finished his sermon, we'll have another block of worship at the end, a bit like we did at the start. So we're doing two blocks of worship with that theme song. So I'll hand over to Joshua. This, this reading is from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 28. Some of his disciples, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> some of his disciples remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones, with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witness to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not, on a, not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of perishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against people. They will fall by the sword and will get taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. There will be, suns in the, there'll be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near.
and in two minutes silence we remember those who have fallen and the cost and the suffering of war. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will. singing the hymn, Your Kingdom Come.
so we've come to that part of the service where we bring our requests to God. And it's not surprising that we'll be praying this morning uh, for those who bear the scars of war and those who have died as a consequence of it. And I'll be using some of the words which will probably be used in churches around the country. So let's bring our prayers to the God who is the God of love and peace. On this Remembrance Sunday, we bring before God, the God of peace, our prayers for the world, the church, and all his people. So merciful God, we pray for peace in our hearts and in our homes, in our nation, and in our world. The peace which is your will, the peace which we so badly need. May God give us that peace. We remember today, O oh Lord, all those who have died in any kind of conflict throughout your world. Soldiers who perished in the horror of battle. Innocent people buried beneath the rubble from bomb attacks. Men and women and children brutally attacked and murdered in their own homes, towns, and villages. Today we remember especially those victims of two world wars, including those close to us, or to our families, parents, grandparents, of all service men and women who have died in the violence of war. We remember too those who are suffering from the invasion in Ukraine, and we ask that you will restore sanity to that situation and restore peace. We remember and pray for those who came home from battle with terrible injuries, both physical and psychological, and those whose loved ones never did return. May God give Lord, as we remember those who have lost their lives, help us to renew our fight against cruelty and injustice, against prejudice, tyranny, and oppression. Lord, hear our prayer for the multitudes in every country who do not want war and are ready to walk the path of peace. May their voice be heard. And may they and us not lose heart. And Lord God, we pray for the leaders of nations at this time, asking you to pour out your spirit of reconciliation on them. May God give peace. Give us strength and understanding to honor and cherish the gift of, that Jesus Christ who is the light of the world, a light which no darkness can quench, and today as we remember all who have lost their lives, as we honor the past, may we put our faith in you, Father, for you are the source of life and hope now and forever. May God give peace. And finally, Lord, a prayer for ourselves that we may put our confidence in you. O oh Lord, you know we are often filled with fear and foreboding. Give us courage and deepen our trust. You are a rock which nothing can shatter. On you we can place the whole weight of our lives. So merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, who is our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Ron. You know why we wear poppies today? 
was on Flanders Fields where so many people had been killed and so much blood was shed. Poppies grew on those fields. And they used them as a sign of remembrance and as a sign of hope as well. Stand and sing together. Creation sings the Father's song. Cast your minds back to this time last year. As we stood in this place and observed the two-minute silence, the signs were already there that Russia was planning to invade Ukraine. Since the spring, Russia had been engaged in a build-up of strength near the border under the pretense of conducting military exercises. But by November 2021, it was evident from surveillance footage that there were about 100,000 troops in the region. And although Russia dismissed concerns about the prospects of invasion as hysteria, we all know what happened. They launched a massive attack on Ukraine in February of this year. 
and predictions that the country would fall quickly and easily were confounded by the strength of Ukrainian resistance. And so here we are, nine months later. Russia currently occupies about 20% of Ukraine, although it's just had to withdraw from Kherson, the only regional capital city it's captured in what has turned out to be a disastrous campaign. And the cost of that war has been shocking. The most recent estimates are that Russia and the Ukraine have both suffered 100,000 military casualties on each side, up to 40,000 civilians also killed as Russia has shelled and bombed residential areas. The city of Mariupol was reduced to rubble and a theatre and the maternity hospitals were targeted for attack. <coughs> and in addition to using bombs, cruise missiles, and thermobaric weapons, Russia has also deployed cluster munitions, which are banned under international treaties because of the way they scatter bombs indiscriminately over wide areas, which injure people and kill people weeks, months later. In areas of Ukraine occupied by Russia, there are reports of torture, rape, summary executions, mass graves have been discovered. It's been estimated that as many as 7 million people have been displaced internally within Ukraine, 6 million more have fled abroad, Unknown numbers of Ukrainians have been shipped off to various parts of Russia. We don't just look back to see the horrors. We see them in our own day, in need. And the effect on the rest of the world has been devastating too, apart from our own problems with spiralling energy costs. In other parts of the world, people have been in real danger of starvation. Before the conflict, Ukraine was the major supplier of grain to the World Food Programme, which is the primary means of food support for vulnerable populations. We could be grateful for small mercies that Russia has again agreed to allow shipments of grain to be exported from Ukraine to Somalia, Djibouti and Sudan. But there is a real fear, isn't there? That because of all these setbacks, Russia could yet resort to using nuclear weapons if they carry on losing the war by conventional means. Are we teetering on the brink of World War III? What will historians write about this in decades to come, if there are historians to write about it? No one knows. But anyone who stops to think about it is appalled by the prospect of what may happen and what has happened. If people are afraid, there are good reasons for that. In recent weeks, on Sunday mornings, we've been working our way through Luke's Gospel, <coughs> thinking about the numbers in different episodes and parables. And today we come to Luke chapter 21, and the prediction that the temple in Jerusalem, not one stone, would be left standing, that would not be thrown down. We listened to Josh read that passage to us, as Jesus talked about wars and conflicts, how people would faint with fear as the very powers of heaven would be shaken. And it was just a, a throwaway remark which set him off. Doesn't the temple look amazing, one of his followers said. It's just such a beautiful building. And it was in line to be one of the wonders of the world. But they weren't expecting Jesus' response. The whole thing will be razed to the ground. 
He went on to talk about how the city would be surrounded by armies and trampled underfoot. He said the population would be slaughtered. Those who were spared would be taken into exile. And war spares no one, not even pregnant women or nursing mothers. They too would be the victims of the terror and the horror. And we know what happened, because the Jewish historian Josephus spells out in graphic detail the fate that befell the city and its inhabitants when it fell to the Romans less than 40 years after Jesus' pronouncement of doom. And while some of his language might be exaggerated, we shouldn't underestimate the horrors that go on in cities once they are conquered. Josephus says that the Roman soldiers massacred anyone they found in the streets. If people were hiding in houses, they burned them alive, burned the houses down with a piece of incense. He said that so much blood was shed that the blood running down the streets was enough to put out the fires in some of the houses. <clears throat> Over a million people died in the city. Many of them had starved to death before the city fell. The soldiers were appalled to enter houses and find them just full of dead bodies. After the city fell and people had been taken captured, captive by the Romans, another 11,000 died of starvation while under Roman rule. Of those who were captured, anyone who was old or sick was simply killed because they had no value. But 97,000 people were taken into captivity. Anyone under the age of 17 was sold into slavery. And where some of the adults, those who are <coughs> young and fit and good-looking, were taken to Rome to be paraded before the population there as part of the Roman triumph. Others were sent to the Egyptian mines or were dispatched to the provinces to be killed in the theatre by gladiators or wild beasts. No wonder Jesus wept over Jerusalem when he saw what was coming. And we can't see what's coming in the future, but we can look back and see what's happened in the past as we reflect on the horrors of two world wars and other conflicts. And we look round and see what is happening today in Ukraine. But let's not forget the other conflict zones where thousands of people have lost their lives this year. Afghanistan, Colombia, Ethiopia, Mali, Somalia, Syria, Yemen. We look back, we look round, and what happens when we look up? Where is God in all of this? The fact that Jesus foresaw and predicted the sacking of Jerusalem doesn't mean that God made it happen. It's not God that put it into Vladimir Putin's heart to invade Ukraine, however much it might try and find religious support for the conflict from the Russian Orthodox Church. When Jesus outlined the nightmare scenarios that presage and include the destruction of Jerusalem and his return, he is describing a world that is out of control and the destructive consequences that ensue from that. A world that has rejected God and his kingdom. A world that is dissolving into chaos. I read Steve Turner's poem, Chance, before, but it's worth repeating, I think. If chance be the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills ten, troops on rampage, Whites go looting, bomb blasts school. It is but the sound of man worshipping his creator. But God made us to be better than this. 
He made us to be good. But we all have the capacity within us to do so much evil. And evil, even to do that evil in God's name. But make no mistake. The litany of disasters that Jesus outlines in Luke 21, the wars, the earthquakes, the famines, the plagues, the terrors, they are all manifestations of the way in which creation is disintegrating. The kingdom of this world is not the kingdom of our God. It is in rebellion against his rule. And until Jesus returns to set things right, there will be plenty of things going on that will and should appall us. And they will and should appall us because if we have the slightest inkling of how things ought to be, then that reflects the way in which we are made in God's image. The God who longs to see justice and peace and order and beauty and well-being and prosperity in the world that he made. And if we instinctively feel that that is how things ought to be, then we feel that way because that is how God made us. We know that what we see in the world today is wrong. And we grieve over it as God does. So every time we pray the Lord's Prayer and say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we express our longing for change, for things to be different. And we embrace the vision that is set before us, a kingdom that is of peace instead of violence, of life instead of death, of wholeness instead of suffering, of security instead of terror, of prosperity instead of poverty, and of order instead of agony. We hold that vision of God's kingdom before us, and we look forward to the coming of the one who will bring that kingdom, and we cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. And for now, as people who belong to God in a world gone wrong. How do we live? What kind of people should we be? We don't simply acquiesce in the status quo, nor do we abandon hope, in as much as we know that this is not how it is supposed to be. We pray and work for change. And in our own small part of God's universe, we aim to live our lives for him, making a difference by who we are, what we do, and how we engage with other people, and how we pray. We are, we are agents of change for the better. Little cells of resistance that stay true to God's kingdom, no matter what is going on around us. Believing that in the end, God will triumph. Death will die. Destruction will be destroyed. And we'll be able to say, this is how it should be. And the basis for that hope is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The first step God took in turning death into life, <coughs> defeat into victory, despair into hope. Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is Lord, we take our And what kind of people does he want us to be in a chaotic world? Three things, he says. Firstly, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified by reports of wars and conflicts. These things are bound to happen. Don't make the mistake of thinking that just because they're happening, the end of the world is imminent. Secondly, stand firm. Even if you're faced with persecution and hatred, even if you're betrayed by your nearest and dearest, arrested, imprisoned, put to trial, even put to death, don't waver. By your endurance, you will gain your life. And whatever may happen to you here, not a hair of your head will perish when you enter God's kingdom. So don't give up. Don't be terrified, stand firm. And thirdly, when everyone else around you is panicking and cowering in terror, you stand tall. 
and hold your head high because you know that your redemption is near. Hold on to it and don't lose sight of the promise that Jesus is coming to set you free. Thank you, Tim. We're coming into our last part of the service, and we're going to have a time of worship to lead out of uh, the service today. Um, I'm going to invite you to stand in a second. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple of songs before the ser- before we'll say the blessing. I'm going to move across the drums a little bit, so I won't be here, so I'm going to explain things as we go along. But the first song we're going to do is In Christ Alone, My Hope is Found. He is my light, he is my strength, and this is our song. He is the cornerstone upon which we stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man will ever pluck him from our hands. And until he returns, it is in the power of Christ that we will stand. So let's stand and sing in Christ alone.
For Jesus will be the cornerstone on which we will build our lives. The weak will be made strong through the Savior's love, through the storms, through all the difficulties, Christ will be our hope. For my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We're going to sing this song, and at the end we will say the grace together. It will come onto the screens automatically because I'm going to be over there. Um, at that point the service will be finished, but please feel free to sit. But we are going to sing you another song, and the words will be on the screen, so if you wish to join in with us, it will be there for you to join in. Let's sing, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.